0: You don't need a fancy doctor at the Mayo Clinic or at at UCSF. You actually have some pretty sophisticated doctors in your head. The problem is, you Mm -hmm. need to learn how to to understand the owner manual that you came with. And unfortunately, we don't teach patients that. And that's part of the problem.
1: Welcome to The Art of Humanity. I'm your host, Jessica Ann. This is my podcast where you can listen for fresh perspectives with artists, leaders, authors, and your favorite entrepreneurs. You can explore creativity and consciousness, evolve your business with the art of humanity. Now, here's this week's episode. Welcome to episode 59 with Dr. Jack Cruz. I love today's conversation because it's a meditation on uncertainty. And just a warning for those who may be triggered by information that is outside of their comfort zones, that this may not be the episode for you. That's okay. There will be plenty of other guests in the season who are a bit less triggering, but this season is all about uncertainty. And what is uncertainty if it's not a bit unsettling? This episode isn't meant to trigger for the sake of triggering. It's a call to wake up to another narrative that you possibly may not be aware of. I think it's an important conversation for us because regardless of your views, we can all agree that the media and politics play such a large role in our lives. And we're experiencing the effect of media censorship and government. And maybe we like how the media and government are handling it. Maybe we don't. But we're seeing how much control the media has in terms of what is the quote-unquote official narrative and how this is affecting our lives. We can't just say that one side of the story has more weight than another in a world that's run by politics and algorithms. If you listened to episode 30 with Douglas Carr, we discussed Cambridge Analytica. To refresh your memory, the Facebook Cambridge Analytica data scandal was a major scandal in early 2018 where Cambridge Analytica harvested the personal data of millions of people's Facebook profiles without their consent and used it for political advertising. Now, I'm not saying that this is what's happening today, but I'm saying that we don't know. Only time and retrospection will allow us to see this moment more clearly. I'm bringing this up because we need to be aware of how the narratives are being filtered and skewed based on algorithms and emotions. And it forces us to look at what the media and politics really are about. The media is supposed to work for us. (laughs) It's no secret that the media often feels like the virus itself today. I came to discover Dr. Jack Cruz and his work a few months ago, and he's highly, highly respected by some of the smartest alternative medicine doctors today and I feel very deeply inspired and even triggered when hearing some of his research because I spent most of my life being both a health nut and someone who's obsessed with peeling back the layers of society. I spend time questioning and researching to get to the heart of it all. Of course, this does not make me a doctor, which is why it's important that I interview doctors who are experts in their fields. For those who don't know my background, I went to school to study media theory and wrote my thesis on the media's portrayal of Barack Obama during his 2008 presidential campaign. And this is the path that I always thought I'd be on. But after academia, I discovered I could have more of an impact in the world by removing myself from academia. So I launched my business and learned about growth hacking and marketing and consciousness. I've evolved even though my work is still to help people see through any filters of perception. I love how Dr. Jack Cruz combines alternative medicine and activism, and he has a no bullshit way about him. This is a different type of interview than I normally have on here. Dr. Jack Cruz is very tapped into the natural and alternative ways to manage our health. And it's a show to get real about how we can take our health into our own hands. It's a call to do your own research and see what part we have, and then to create a better future to become active participants. It's not the time to spiritually bypass. We are at the brink of a huge change in our government, society, economy, and the media. And it's important for us to be aware of the historical and mythological perspective of what's happening. The media plays such a large role in our lives. And as I was meditating on what to say for this introduction, I was reminded of the great work of Joseph Campbell and the documentary that he did, The Power of Myth with Bill Moyers. I have a book of the transcript of this documentary, and according to Campbell, he says that, and I quote, the Marxist sociology and behavioralistic psychology reveal how we're nothing but a predictable pattern of wires responding to stimuli. This 19th century has squeezed the freedom of the human will out of modern life. Bill Moyers then asks him, in the political sense, is there a danger that these myths of heroes teach us? to look at the deeds of others as if we were in an amphitheater or coliseum or a movie, watching others perform great deeds while consoling ourselves to impotence. Campbell then responds, When you think about what people are actually undergoing in our civilization, you realize it's a very grim thing to be a modern human being. The drudgery of the lives of most of the people who have to support families, well, it's a life-extinguishing affair. He goes on to say that we sit in offices— It's significant that in our civilization, the problem of the middle-aged is conspicuous. This part of the Joseph Campbell and Bill Moria's discussion of the power of myth is relevant to today's conversation, because how much of our lives do we simply accept because that's the way we're told? How many of our decisions do we outsource to Big Pharma or to the government because we don't have the time or the mental bandwidth to do research of our own? Power of myth isn't talking exactly about this topic but it's clear how it's universal to how the drudgery of some of the most important parts of our lives get outsourced to doctors who may or may not be a part of big pharma. It shines a light onto the corruption of our democracy and to the fact that the power lives within us and not some external savior. We don't have a functioning government today and most of us live in an echo chamber. So I'm not saying that I have the answers or I know what the solution is. The problem is complicated. But today's guest shines a light on all of this and more. He is so passionate and speaks with such conviction because for the first 40 years in his profession of neuroscience, his patients were getting half-truths because he was a part of the medical system and he had to obey by their system. Then he got enlightened, pun intended, and he became more autonomous and he has since been an outspoken voice. Now today, the science has finally caught up with some of the information that he's been telling people all along. Which brings me to this disclaimer. I don't understand the nature of viruses to comment on the health implications of COVID-19 or how the governments are best to respond to disasters. In addition to the suffering, the most challenging aspect is the possible catastrophic effect on the global economy. I intend to explore these issues with compassion and curiosity and to shine some light on the circumstances surrounding this pandemic and the media's reaction to it i used to work in mainstream media and i try to be mindful that the counter narratives are not always more virtuous or magnanimous than those of conventional institutions and they are not always more righteous just by virtue of being opposite in other words i don't take alternative media to be the gospel at the same time. We can't immediately censor an opposing viewpoint just because it's different, unless we want to have the same type of censorship that China is experiencing. I'm hoping that times like these will give us a more broad perspective in terms of what's possible for game B of society. If you're an entrepreneur like me and you need technology like you need water or oxygen, or you know someone who depends on and enjoys their technology, but they also strive to maintain optimal health, this is the show to share with them. When you share this podcast with a friend, you're not only helping them, but you're also supporting my mission to awaken humanity by bringing on the most brilliant minds in the health and wellness industries to the mainstream. Now, 12 years ago, you couldn't get this information that Jack's sharing today. Now, with today's problem of too much information, it's hard to discern what's true. The problem is that even though this information is not well-known or openly discussed doesn't mean that it's not true. My point is that we need to carefully choose data points to craft the story we want to tell. Correlation and causation are not things that people can easily spot without digging deeper. And we all have cognitive dissonance, which happens when we encounter different decisions and experiences in our lives that may challenge our existing belief systems or contradict some of our current behaviors. It's how we craft stories and why we believe things. This is why some bits of information or quote-unquote conspiracy theories strike someone as utter nonsense, but makes someone else think the exact opposite. So keep this in mind as you listen to this episode that we're all experiencing this pandemic in nuanced ways, depending on our upbringing, environment, culture, and ancestral trauma. So let's get into today's episode. And just a reminder that if you're easily offended or not open-minded, please listen to another episode. In this episode with Dr. Jack Cruz, We discuss why we become blue light toxic the more time that we spend inside, even if we're behind floor-to-ceiling glass windows, black swan theory and why thinking like a black swan is so rare, why what's happening today goes all the way back to the Rockefeller oil breakup, and what the men who built America, such as JP Morgan and Andrew Carnegie, has to do with the NIH, the CDC, and the FDA, and why we need to understand this pandemic through the lens of media censorship. We also discuss why he believes the virus is geoengineered, why media censorship is happening, just a secret, it may or may not have to do with the fact that 90% of dollars funnel through only four communication channels on this planet, why the dominant belief about UV light causing melanoma and skin cancers is wrong, what the lack of sunlight has to do with people who are affected and why it's more highly impacting the African-American and Latino population, and what this has to do with the latitude and longitude of where you live and why this is a quantum biological problem. We also discuss why vitamin D is important to our immunity and defense, and why the light at sunrise is the most important time of day. Dr. Jack Cruz is smart and presents interesting information, but again, I'm not advocating that everything he's saying is correct, but I'm certainly willing to have an open mind and to lead these types of conversations. I'm simply a messenger here, so please be kind. If you don't like this message, reflect and maybe contemplate on what it's bringing up for you. How does it challenge your worldview and your identity? One of the topics that we discuss in this interview is how artificial light is destroying our melatonin, sleep, and health. I have been using blue light blocking glasses from Raw Optics for the past few months. Their lenses have been proven to specifically target the harmful frequencies emitted by phones, computers, screens, and LED lights. You may have seen clear-lens blue-blockers, sometimes called computer glasses. Unfortunately, these do not block the same specific dangerous frequencies of light emitted from screens or lights that raw optics do, and they're simply a marketing gimmick. The most important function of artificial light glasses is my favorite topic, to protect sleep, because artificial light destroys our melatonin level, sleep quality, and overall health. While other brands are only focused on selling lenses that are as clear as possible, Raw Optics offers night lenses that block all blue and green light wavelengths in order to protect your eyes, sleep, and health. I love Raw Optics because they put the most effective lens technology into attractive frame styles. It does take some time to get used to the rose-colored glasses effect of their lenses, but I promise it's worth it. You'll literally be able to see the world through a new lens. To get 10% off Raw Optics glasses, go to rawoptics.com, that's R-A-O-P-T-I-C-S dot com and enter the code ART at checkout. For show notes and resources, go to artofhumanity.io. And I'll say it again here, in the lead-in to the interview, we discuss some alternative topics, so if this is triggering for you, please listen to another episode. Now, let's go to the show. Welcome to The Art of Humanity, where we explore creativity and consciousness with artists, leaders, authors, and entrepreneurs. Today, I'm so thrilled to have with me Dr. Jack Cruz. Dr. Cruz is a well respected neurosurgeon who's on a mission to help people find radiant lifelong health. He's been published in dental and medical journals, authored the transformative book Epipelio, RX, the prescription for disease reversal and optimal health, co invented the Quantelet light therapy wristband, and helped countless people through his blog and practice. His research proves that our modern indoor lifestyle negatively impacts your health in a shocking way and teaches how bathing in natural light from the sun, moon, and stars can have a mind blowing effect on your vitality. Now, as the CEO of Optimized Life, Dr. Cruz works to help humanity reconnect to the environment, increase their longevity, and beat healthcare burdens that arise as we age. Dr. Cruz, thank you so much for joining me on The Art of Humanity. No problem. Glad to be here. So, Dr. Cruz, Let's just start with the preface that humans and my audience, and personally, I don't even know much about quantum mechanics and the science behind everything. (laughs) And your job is to teach people how to know these things. I've just been fascinated by your work and your studies, and it's so exciting when you dive deeper into it. And I just like to set the stage. Uh, I read your bio, but I'd love to hear from you, kind of, who is Dr. Jack Cruz, and why have you taken this path as a neurosurgeon?
0: As an allopathic doctor, everything that you learn in school, you believe through probably medical school, residency, and even early practice that you'll have the answers for the diseases that you're supposed to be an expert to fix. And over a period of time, I started to realize that really wasn't true. And the point was really hammered home to me about 15 or 16 years ago when I became the patient, had a problem with my knee. I realized that the answers that I was getting from my primary care doctor and from the surgeons that I had to see for my problem weren't quite good. So I decided to reject what I was taught and go learn something different. And I had some help with that. I had a a good friend whose wife used to work out your neck of the woods in California for a biotechnology company. And she uh, said, Look, I think I know why this happened to you. I want to give you these papers. My husband says you're a smart guy and maybe you can put it together. Well, long story short, the company that she worked for as a a big time executive, she didn't have a lot of faith in. She thought there was some shenanigans going on and that they were doing some untoward things. Long story short, I read the papers. I think I knew what she was trying to tell me, but I actually took the papers that she sent me and one of the books she sent me went a completely different way. And I started to realize that there was another way to actually look at my problem through a different lens. And, you know, the best way I can describe it to you, it's kind of like putting Windex on your glass eye when it's dirty. And all of a sudden, you begin to see things that you never saw before. And the process for me was about 18 months where I went back to the medical school library to research these hunches to see were they real or were they, you know, Memorex or imagined you know, was it hyperbole? And one thing led to another. And I figured out after about 18 months that most of what I learned in medical school and residency was kind of a shell. It was not the key issues to why people really need to get better. And then I thought even more deeply about the problem like we're facing right now in in public health. If we're so right in medicine, we've got to ask ourselves a question. Why is it that we have so many chronic pandemics that we can't solve like doctors are really good at uh, fixing broken legs and broken ankles, you know, acute trauma. But what we're really not good at is fixing chronic medical conditions like diabetes, obesity, hypertension, cardiovascular disease. And we've been trying to do that for about 60 or 70 years. And we've got amazing tools that we get from all these big pharma companies. But all we're doing is managing their symptoms. We're still not reversing the disease. So I decided I wanted to uh, look a little bit deeper to see if it was possible to reverse some of these diseases. And I started doing it first on myself. And when it worked on me, several of the doctors that I worked with in the hospital said, uh, well, who, who else would you try this on? So I tried it on my son and I tried it on my nephew. And I started trying it on some of my patients because as the patients came in and saw me, they were like, what in the hell have you been doing? And, you know, if I tell you, you probably won't believe it. I said, so I'll just show you. I kind of told them what to do. And that's kind of where my leptin prescription came in, which is basically six steps to teach people how to lose weight in a very counterintuitive way. And apparently it must've hit because when I put it on the internet for free about 16 years ago, it got the attention of a lot of people in different communities across the blogosphere. But the place that really got interested is uh, Ted asked me to come do a talk and I did. And in fact, the talk was so controversial, it later got banned.
1: Mm. That's a good thing, I guess, right?
0: Yeah. Well, it turned out to be a good thing. I wasn't very happy about it in the beginning, but Mm -hmm. I have to say, you know, it's almost 10 years now since that's happened. And I do think it was a good thing because not only did it show you know, the soft white underbelly of the paradigm and power, that their reach could even catch me on a TED stage. But it also told me that I was doing the right thing by continuing to get the message out to the lay public. And the message is pretty simple. You don't need a fancy doctor at the Mayo Clinic or at, at UCSF. You actually have some pretty sophisticated doctors in your head. The problem is you need mm-hmm. to learn how to to understand owner manual that you came with, and unfortunately, we don't teach patients that, and that's part of the problem. So I decided to take that task up on my website and my blog and on my Patreon.
1: Totally. And and you're so passionate about this because for the first 40 years in your profession, your patients were getting half-truths, and then you got enlightened, pun intended, and you've since shared your message, and now the science is finally lining up behind us and you know it seems like 12 years ago we couldn't get this information anywhere and now it's not just an opinion it's blatantly obvious to those who do research and you know the problem is that it's really not well known so you're at the forefront of this next paradigm that has you know you've been talking about this for about a decade now or so and now the science is catching up and you know you mention something called black swan, and I want to talk a little bit about the black swan theory of events. This was a book that I read a few years ago by Nassim Taleb, and it's a metaphor that describes an event that comes as a surprise to a paradigm of belief, and it has a major effect on those who realize it, but it's often inappropriately rationalized by the paradigm after the fact with the benefit of hindsight. So you know, this term is based on an ancient saying, which presumed black swans did not exist, But the saying was rewritten after black swans were discovered in the wild. The implication is is that absence of evidence is not absence of effect or reality or truth. So, you know, just because evidence is not present right here doesn't mean the possibility cannot exist or is not true. So, you know, when you study black swan events and, and you read about this stuff and then you kind of apply what we are learning in real time in this during this pandemic to health and to science and, and all of the research that you've done is kind of lining up. Is it any surprise that we are kind of faced with what we're faced with on the global scale right now?
0: Well I don't think it is. I think the the problem is we are, you know, we're zoo animals and we don't live like wild humans connected to nature. We think we're somehow divorced from the threads of evolutionary biology we're not. We're still a thread in that fabric. And many times people don't understand how the smallest little things that we take for granted in our modern life cause a problem. And to get to the point where you were talking before about black swans, Talib uses the black swan to describe events a little bit differently than I do. For me, a okay. black swan is a person who's rare in nature, just like you uh, iterated before about the black swan from Tlaib's perspective. The difference for me is that it advances us to go deeper and what blocks our understanding actually becomes our way. And this is kind of the first credo of a black swan to think like a black swan is rare. And it makes you realize that nothing worthwhile is easy. And you kind of actually exhibited a little bit of that in my intro when you said, most people don't understand quantum mechanics. Well, therein lies the problem. And I'm not mm-hmm. telling you that you need to know quantum mechanics like Einstein did or de Broglie or Feynman. I think you only need to know very, very little. The problem with this science is once you get that little taste, it's really, really hard to go back asleep. Where you were before when you thought that the medications you got from the pharmacy really were the answer. And it turns out that maybe that it's not the answer. And, you know, the current situation that we're in now, we're all under a stay at home order for a pandemic caused by a virus that was engineered by the Chinese Communist Party. This is uh, a virus that's very common. The common cold is a coronavirus. The way they engineered it was. Kind of interesting to become more infective, but it got out of the box, so to speak, before it was actually ready for prime time. That's why it doesn't have a high kill rate. Uh, It's just highly contagious. And actually, Mm -hmm. when you think about pandemics, this is actually what Tlaib's book was talking about, is an asymmetric event. And what that means, and we've seen it, all of us have experienced this in the last probably two or three weeks, especially if you've been following me on Twitter, is as data comes in, things begin to make more sense. In the beginning of an asymmetric event, the data doesn't make any sense. And that's exactly why you saw a lot of disinformation on social media sites. It's also the reason why you had a lot of smart people. In fact, some of my ex members were out there telling people that this was a plannedemic, it was a demic. Mm-hmm. Someone like me knew immediately kind of where to look for the answer to see. And I warned all of my members that I said, I don't think this is a hoax. I actually think this is a real problem. Reason for that, before I told you we're in New Orleans, I started to notice I have a lot of friends in New Orleans. I'm also from New York City. I have a lot of friends on the front lines of both cities. And I got real time data that they were seeing something they've never seen before in the emergency rooms. And, you know, we do have, you know, 30 to 80,000 flu deaths a year. And a lot of the linear thinkers out in social media land was like, if this virus is the same, then they're no different, and that's not the case. And that's totally that's kind of mm-hmm. what to leave was trying to explain to people. When medical capacity gets eaten up in say three or four weeks, which is exactly what happened in some of the cities, both in Europe and here, it overwhelms the system and the system breaks. And that's exactly what we saw happening. And that's the reason why the government had to react the way it did. But the government overreacted for a good reason. I think they knew January, February, that there was a virus that got out. And the problem was they didn't know if this was a minor virus or a major one. And when they saw what happened on the social media sites in Wuhan, and then in Northern Italy, that began to scare the hell out of people. And that's when they decided, look, this could be the pandemic that we're all afraid of. This could be like very contagious and like Ebola with a high death rate and it could be a problem.
1: Yeah, it's definitely interesting kind of when you look at the data that's coming in and as it does come in, it doesn't make sense in real time. But if you study it like you've studied, you know, health and I know the Nassim book is different than what you're referring to, but you know, when you line it all up, it kind of it's a black swan
0: event. There's no doubt that this pandemic is a black swan event. So the thing that I think people need to realize is what you need to pay attention to going forward also needs to be important. I I gave a big talk in Europe this summer that one of the single most important things that you have to have is your circle of six, meaning six friends around you to help you pay attention to the world around you because in an asymmetric event, those eyeballs actually may be able to save your life and do things Mm -hmm. because you're going to have people. actually think well, that actually are out there looking for unusual things. So I'll give you an example just from my tribe. When the Harvard scientist got arrested in uh, January from the chemistry department, I thought it was really, really interesting. When I saw that the arrest was tied to China, it hit on my radar. And then I started to notice some of the postings that you were seeing on social media in December and January from Wuhan that looked really, really bad, like something was going on. And when I started to realize that the Chinese government actually paid this guy for state secrets, I wanted to find out what the state secrets were for. And it turns out it was tied to nanotechnology and nanoparticles. And then I started to read about the virologist in the Wuhan lab and how she was linked to both the CDC, the NIH. She had gotten $4 million worth of funding and, believe it or not, got the coronavirus specimens from the governments of the United States and Canada.
1: And funny, because if you go to the website, all of the employees from the lab are, have a photo except for yeah. her. She's missing, right? Is that the same woman you're referring Correct. to?
0: She's She's got to be missing, but there's actually two key women that are missing now. The other lady who leaked the virus by mistake is also missing. She was a PhD candidate. But the interesting part is the story led me back to the viral code of this virus. And this scientist published four papers over the last about five or six years. And they're, they're on PubMed. And when I read them, I was like, this is kind of bizarre. They took a coronavirus from a bat, then modified it with simian monkey viruses. And that's how we got some of the glycoproteins called GP1 and GP41 on this. And when I read the third paper from this lab, they were actually trying to make this coronavirus extremely infective. And that's why they used the AIDS glycoproteins. And I'm like, why would somebody do this? That's when mm. I started to dig a little bit deeper and found out that Wuhan was actually a, a level four biocontainment lab you know, I know you don't know where I am in Louisiana, but I happen to be 20 minutes away from a level three biocontainment lab. And I happen to know a little bit about this stuff, Mm -hmm. nefarious things that happened in New Orleans in the 1960s that were tied to one of these labs. Okay. The deeper I got, I realized immediately that this virus was definitely engineered. Why they did it, I don't know. I have a a sneaking suspicion. I do know the reason why it was probably payback for what happened to Asia from the NIH in the 50s and 60s with the polio vaccine. And the PhD student that got scrubbed from the Wuhan website, I believe on Chinese social media, at least that I looked at in February, is the one that likely made the error to allow the virus to get out. And that's what that rapidly caused the problem and that's when she was scrubbed from their website sometime in february i think the accident actually occurred in november or december but the chinese people actually are the ones that were sharing her name all over their social networks and of course you you had a lot of the conspiracy theorists out there that had bits and pieces of the story but i always teach my tribe that a half truth always leads to a full lie and i said look we need to take this virus serious, because my friends on the front line are telling me something radically is going on. Mm -hmm. And I figured out what actually the problem was, is that this virus was going to be engineered to go from bats to primates to eventually humans, but they were going to make it deadly as a bioweapon. They never got to that last point. The virus got out and no one really knew, including the Chinese. I don't believe the Chinese really knew what happened until Wuhan happened to them the really bad part of the story as far as i'm concerned for our country the worst of both sides meaning the left and the right have kind of come out about this and you know my take on it right now it's pretty simple uh, china lied americans died and then the media tried to blame the president and the president can't be blamed for something like this because he had no earthly idea what they were really doing in terms of the engineering. And the, the biggest irony, the probably the slap in the face from the post-mortem of this whole thing is going to come when people realize that our NIH, our CDC, and you've already heard Trump talk about the WHO, that he's going to defund it. Mm-hmm. They kind of lied. And they were back in China. And the thing that's really going to cause a problem is if what we're hearing The media reports are true that China globally tried to buy up PPE from January through March because they were worried about their 4 billion people. That kind of tells you that they didn't know really what they released. And I think that's why they freaked out. Now that we know that it's a low RO virus with a low death rate, I think where the governments are headed now is pretty reasonable. There's still going to be you know nasty places like new york northern italy spain uk even new orleans to a degree we have some states that are bad like new jersey but you know your state california probably has the herd immunity why because california does a ton of business with china and the commerce between there my bet in fact i actually mentioned this on twitter you might be interested in it we mm-hmm. had a an espn reporter die like very suddenly i think it was in november or december had a Mm -hmm. very specific syndrome called HLH. And it's a a cytotoxic syndrome. And this guy was a Mm -hmm. healthy 34-year-old guy. And he dropped dead of this type of COVID issue within 24 to 48 hours. And he was based in California. And he was an African-American guy. And the family posted actually, when um, I first read about this, that he died of this syndrome, and I knew immediately that syndrome was tied to massive cytokine storms. And cytokine storms mm-hmm. are tied to defects in T and NK cells, which are part of your innate immune system. And innate immunity is linked to your vitamin D status, which kind of right. brings us back to before we talked this, took this little random walk. It brings us back, to this <laughs> and now we're back to that quantum mechanics, right? That the sun changes the surfaces on your body to actually make it less likely that you would get a viral infection. And this family of viruses specifically hates UV light. In fact, coronaviruses, if you go back all the way to when we found out about them in the 50s, even the coronavirus that caused this great Spanish flu also showed a seasonal variation between summer and winter.
1: Okay, let me stop you right there, because I love where we're heading. And I definitely want to follow up on that. But let's go back to the fact because some people may have heard you kind of just gloss over the fact that this was bioengineered. And I know that that's not a lot of what the mainstream media is talking about. And You know, I really find that fascinating because I have a background in mainstream news and I'm always fascinated with what is getting out into the world and why certain information is leaked and others, you know, are censored. And, um, you know, if you are following this really closely, you're seeing, as I was seeing back in January, if you're on Telegram, (laughs) like literal real-time news coming from the Chinese about how this was playing out back in January and it's just interesting and I find it that the only way that the data can Survive on the internet is to be uploaded to the site called the Interplanetary File System. And right now, you know, I'm looking at a document that was uploaded there, which is evidence that this emerged from a biological laboratory in Wuhan. And I'm not making any claims. It's just interesting. I like to kind of explore the media angle and the censorship angle to all of this and find out why there is such a censorship that's necessary with this information. Well, I mean, I
0: think it's pretty obvious the reason why it's happened. I mean, people need to understand, and I don't think people know a lot of this. That's part of the reason why I just did a webinar for my members. I actually took them back and gave them the whole story. Because if you don't know the history behind vaccines, you will never understand really where this problem started Yeah, let's go there. I don't know if Mm -hmm. I want to go there because it's pretty controversial and pretty much anybody who's ever talked about it publicly winds up dead.
1: Okay, let's not go there then.
0: (laughs) Let's not go there. Let's switch topics. This is what I can say about, I did a webinar, very, very similar, where I took people back for the issue for non-native electromagnetic fields to take them back where this originally occurred. And what goes all the way back to the Rockefeller Standard Oil breakup. And I assumed incorrectly to even my tribe that most people knew the story of J.P. Morgan, of Rockefeller, and Andrew Carnegie. And it turned out when I had the discussion in my pool out here with two of my younger members, they said, Jack, I don't think anybody knows this. You need to really do a webinar. on it." so I did. I did a, a big three-hour webinar and took everybody back to explain to them where we got the ARPANET, where we got the payback for the Rockefellers. And it turns out the Rockefellers, after Teddy Roosevelt broke up Standard Oil, he made it a lifelong goal to make sure that he got back at the federal government. So he's done it in a variety of different ways. But one of the big ways is that he set up the medical system that we currently have today. And believe it or not, the same thing is true with the NIH, the CDC, and the FDA. So you need to understand that angle. So with this Wuhan issue, as I told you, I was really disappointed with some of my former members and actually some other doctors. One guy I probably will call out here, his name is Anthony Beck, he's from Florida. And he basically got out and told a lot of people that this was a scam. And this personally offended me because I've had quite a few of my friends die on the front lines from this uh, problem. So this is not something that I take lightly. And that's Mm -hmm. when I decided to actually explain to people why I thought the Chinese would engineer a virus. You want to talk about the media angle. I will tell you exactly the reason why the media is censoring this because 90% of the dollars that funnel through the four communication companies on this planet come from the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, we already have data out there. If you check my Twitter feed, you'll see the link. People are surprised when they hear that. The Chinese Communist Party looks to scrub all of their data for their 4 billion people. And believe it or not, they didn't do a great job because it's some of this stuff that we talked about already in this podcast actually leaked onto our social media sites. And that's how people got clued into it. The one thing that they can't scrub, they couldn't scrub the four papers that their virologist from that lab made. And when I found those four papers, that's when I decided, you know what? This is the fingerprint of where I need to look. It's the viral coat. And when I found out that the viral coat basically had a simian glycoprotein on a bat coronavirus, that doesn't happen in nature.
1: Mm, Yeah, so let's get a little lighter here, (laughs) pun intended. I know what we talked about previously was pretty heavy and maybe eye-opening to many people listening to this podcast. So let's go deeper into light. Let's talk about sunlight and literal, let's get lighter. You mentioned earlier that this virus doesn't really have an effect when you are exposed to sunlight. And a lot of your work talks about the benefits of light. And the dominant belief in our medical paradigm is that UV light causes skin cancers and melanoma. And for years, you've personally reviewed a lot of this stuff, and it's led you to the exact opposite viewpoint. And faced with a paradox, you have two choices. You can examine the data for yourself and make an informed decision based on this new data, or two, just keep believing what you were taught is correct without questioning it. So it looks like you've gone in the direction of number one and you've examined the data for yourself. So share with us exactly a little bit more about the research and the data that you found about sunlight and how we can actually implement some of those recent studies that you've done into our day-to-day living. Yeah.
0: Well, we need to talk first about sunlight because I don't want anybody to be fooled by something that you casually mentioned in the beginning. It's not just about getting out in the sunlight. The sun is how we wirelessly are designed to connect by nature to build our redox power. So redox power is probably a word that's gonna scare some people, but I can describe it very simply. It's kinda like uh, AAA. When your car doesn't start up in the morning because it's really cold, you call AAA up and they come out and jump it and it holds the charge. Well, it turns out that's precisely what the sun does For our colony of mitochondria, and it turns out our mitochondria are an organelle in our cell that makes all the energy that you need in life. And the way for you to understand this very simply is without energy from a mitochondria, you become a cadaver. You die. The key to understanding life really is a function of energy. And it turns out the energy that we get and process from the sun is the single most important way to build your redox power so what is redox again it's your battery it's a capacitor in your cell so it turns out each mitochondria in a cell can create about a 30 million volt charge and the reason it can do that because the membranes inside it are really small and we hold that solar charge and bury it actually in water that's created by the mitochondria and most people forgotten what they learned if they took any biology classes But I like to start the story with photosynthesis because I think most people know that sunlight plus CO2 turns into a tree or a leaf and also turns into sugar. Well, when you realize that mitochondria reverse that process, they take sugar and turn it into CO2 and water. That's the reason we have lungs, that's the reason we breathe out CO2. But people forget about the water that's created. And it turns out the water is created by. A heme protein uh, called cytochrome C oxidase. And the reason why that's important with our current events that we just got finished talking about, that's one of the heme proteins that COVID 19 goes after. And that's the reason why these people are coming in with extreme fatigue and they drop very, very quickly because the virus attacks parts of the cell that are vitally important for the wiring diagram to make energy from these these cells. This is the reason why so many doctors have been confused by this virus. It's not acting like other coronaviruses. And the reason for that is because it's been engineered. It's been engineered to do some very novel things. So when you understand that life and sickness really is a function of the net negative charge in your cell and that battery capacitor, the more you're in nature the usually the better your redox is unless you have a problem. So again, I want to go back to current events that people understand. I think most people know that Northern Italy, New York, the UK, everybody came out about two weeks ago and said, you know what's really funny about this virus is that it seems to be attacking Latin and African Americans more than anything else. Well that doesn't shock anybody who's a black swan mitochondria, because if you take a black person and put them in Northern Italy, or put them in the U.K. or even New York City. That's like taking a cactus and putting it in the tundra. And what does that mean? Dark skin protects you from sunlight. So it means when you live at a high latitude, you don't have any vitamin D. You don't have any innate immunity, and that's the reason why these people have gotten way sicker. And I happen to live at the 28th latitude, and in our city. of the people that passed away from this disease actually are African-Americans. And most people say, well, shit, New Orleans is pretty hot. Right now, it's looking around, it's probably 85 to 90 degrees here. And it's been this hot for about a month here. And people would say, well, why would this affect people that are African-American here? Well, remember, the 28th latitude for someone who has dark skin is still a cactus in the tundra. Remember, dark skin evolved at the equator, inside the tropics. Well, that's zero degrees latitude. 28 degrees north is you need to be in the sun a long time to make the appropriate level of vitamin D. That's the reason why this occurs. And Mm. the crazy thing is, is it made total sense in the beginning until we had our surgeon general come on and say there was no biologic effect. Well, there was. It was a quantum biologic effect. Why This happened because those people didn't have enough innate redox power in their T-cells or in their antibody response to fight this off. That's why they got those cytokine storms. So your redox power is the key to improving things in your life.
1: So Dr. Cruz, you're saying that the environment where we live based on the latitude and longitude directly impacts the amount of sunlight we get which that's not really a secret so much but you're contributing that lack of sunlight to where these pandemics happen to happen more frequently is that correct
0: well it's the people that are affected i think most people know with covid-19 that african americans and latin people have been taken to the woodshed i happen to live in a in a state where 70% of the people have been african american who've passed away from this, and, and this, you know, we had our Surgeon General on the news not that long ago, try to tell people that this was not a biologic problem. And it actually is. It's a quantum biologic problem. And the analogy for people to understand it is the same one I use with my patients in the office. I, I usually will say to a couple that are in front of me, if we planted an orange tree in your backyard and your wife put the nutrients in the water in the ground, But then she came and put a tarp over the top. Will we get any oranges? And both of them laugh immediately and say, no, you you can't do that. Without the sun, there's no way the plant's going to grow. And I said, well, you seem to understand that, but do you understand the effect that your clothing has or the the effect that those sunglasses on your eyes have on all the hormones in your body that are made in your pituitary gland three inches behind your eye? Mm -hmm. And they go, doc, is that the reason why my primary care doc has found out that I've Mm -hmm. got Altered labs, and that 's why my vitamin D is below thirty, and i 'm like, yeah, that 's the reason why and that 's when people begin to understand that they 're not that much different than an orange tree and I explained to people that photosynthesis is like a a spider doing push ups on a mirror. Your mitochondrial redox power reverses photosynthesis, so if you do things that diminish your redox you're going to have a problem with different diseases. So in COVID-19, the reason why it was a big problem in Louisiana, darker skinned people have skin that's built for equatorial environments. That means zero to 10 degrees within the tropics. New Orleans is at at 28 degrees uh, north, which is better than San Francisco. But even then, this is not an optimized environment for certain people. That's the reason why their innate immune system does not operate well even here. And if you look at the Johns Hopkins map, which I continue to tell people to look at, this whole event, Mm -hmm. sub saharan Africa, the only place in the tropics that had an outbreak was the same reason New Orleans had one, was Rio de Janeiro. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because in February, we had Mardi Gras on February 25th. And we had a million people in our city that came from all over the place. And it turned out the people that got taken out were the people with low innate immunity in their T and B cells. And it is a quantum biologic story. And I want people to understand why it happens because it's the same reason some of the same people have diabetes. It's the same reason those people have atherosclerosis. It's the same reason they have hypertension. When the Northern Italy outbreak occurred, what did the doctors on social media all say? The craziest thing. Everybody who seems to be getting taken out to the woodshed seems to have hypertension. Well, guess why? UVA and UVB light and sunlight make a chemical in your body from your skin called nitric oxide. Nitric oxide lowers your blood pressure. That's nature's endogenous antihypertensive medicine. What else is an antihypertensive medicine? Turns out vitamin D also lowers your blood pressure. You make enough Mm -hmm. of it. So when you hear these links and then you think about disease metrics that may be present in your local zip code, then you've got to start putting two and two together. And the best thing that I I try to tell people, you are designed by nature to be in nature. Do not forget that. And if you have a job, like Mm -hmm. if you're in the media or you're an IT person out in Silicon Valley, you have a duty to get outside more. In fact, if you were here right now, At my place. One of my, I guess, pandemic party stowaways has been stuck here for a while. She's outside completely sunning herself.
1: Yeah, and that's no secret. I mean, I feel like we are wild animals and modern technology really destroys us, which is it's hard to say out loud because you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm on my MacBook constantly. You know, I work with a lot of technology companies. And it's hard because a lot of what we are finding really is simple. And it goes back to the fact that a lot of people don't speak up about this because they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. And you're one of the few doctors speaking up about this. And it's important that we are protected from these blue lights, as I'm sure we can talk a little bit further about. During the day, it's fine. You know, we have that red and blue light coming from the sun. But at night, we can become blue light toxic. And you don't want any blue light in your life unless it's coming from the sunlight. So can you shine a light on this light-mediated phenomenon? And also, can you speak to maybe – I know you said a lot of stuff that not a lot of people are talking about. Like, talk to the skeptics who might be listening to this thinking that this is crazy talk. Well, I mean, too.
0: I don't – anybody who would call this lunacy is – they just don't understand it. I mean, these processes have been in life for three and a half, four billion years. There's mm-hmm. – literally thousands of papers that tell you that you make vitamin D, the 25-dihydroxy part from LDL cholesterol. Most people are shocked. So everybody knows that people who are sick tend to have high LDL cholesterol. What people don't realize, it's high because they don't get enough sun. And they're not converting it.
1: Every time I hit publish on a new episode of my podcast... I'm filled with such immense gratitude for the ability to co-create at this time in history. Those on this shared path of co-creation are ushering in a new consciousness on this planet. It's a new state of being with a capital B versus the old paradigm of doing. Many of us humans need a manual on how to simply exist. Podcasting is one way to broadcast our light. It's a way to activate our human potential and bring in business. My team and I have created results for our clients like a six-figure deal with Spotify within one year of launch, getting ranked as an Apple new and notable, deals with iHeartRadio and Himalaya. Stitcher has even promoted our podcasts to climb the charts. We're creating success for podcast hosts from all over the world while working smarter, not harder. If you're looking to take the mystery out of podcasting and want to start or scale your podcast into a globally recognized media empire, Go to go.artofhumanity.io slash masterclass to learn more about my profitable podcast masterclass. Again, that's go.artofhumanity.io slash masterclass. Now back to the interview.
0: The story about blue light, though, when you got me fired up because you mentioned something, I want to really blow this out of the water. You don't need just to use text screens or be inside to have blue light. Let me tell you what the biggest blue light toxicity story is, and this may shock you: being okay. inside, behind glass, makes blue light toxic. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain to you why. Glass, as it's currently constructed, back a hundred years ago, glass used to be made out of quartz. That's when it was different. Quartz glass has a totally different effect than the glass that we use today. So the glass that's in your windows in your office, anywhere else, blocks between 40 and 60% of infrared A and near-infrared light. It blocks all UV light. So that means on a relative basis, because it has no effect on blue light, you become blue light toxic the more time you spend inside. And that's one of the major effects for people that have chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia. It's also a big deal for people that have Lyme disease. I know. You've probably heard of so many people out there with Lyme disease, and the focus is always on the bug when they don't realize it's actually their innate immunity shot. It's the same story with COVID-19, and people don't get it. They don't really understand uh, the way in which they think about the diseases is really asked backwards. So if I can get people to get outside, because the antidote for the blue light in the sun is the red and the UV. So anything that alters the red part or the purple part of the terrestrial spectrum of sunlight is going to lead to a problem down the road. And as you said earlier, technology by its very nature brings us indoors, not outdoors. There's very few people that are going to have a wired 100 foot or 1,000 foot cable so they can sit outside and do what we're doing right now to get this message out to people. I happen to be doing it but know if everybody else does it. And in my opinion, when you teach people, especially the skeptics, this science is is published. Everybody knows about it. The problem is it's the application when people don't think about it. The mechanism in which blue light harms us got published probably 2017. We found out that in 20, I guess it was in 2014, we found out that this chemical, it's an opsin called melanopsin, is actually in our arteries. Then we found out in 2017, it's on our skin. And this actually goes back to the part of the story about how I figured out my own problem. I knew that there had to be a mechanism in the body that talked to this hormone leptin. And it turned out the answer was melanopsin. And melanopsin actually delivers light energy information the different parts of your brain so it can control your energy balance. That's actually functionally what makes you fat. But how it happens mm-hmm. is blue light actually disarticulates melanopsin from another chemical that all opsins are bound to, and that chemical is vitamin A. And when vitamin A becomes unbound in the body, it destroys photoreceptors in the body. What are some of the photoreceptors? We talked about them, COVID-19, hemoglobin cytochrome C oxidase. Some of the most common ones, the ones that make nitric oxide in your body. Melatonin happens to be a photoreceptor. It destroys melatonin. So when you can't sleep, because your melatonin level's jacked, then you begin to know blue light's a problem. The way technology companies started picking up on it, probably 15 or 20 years ago, people started to know that kids that used a lot of screens started to have a lot of mental issues. And it had a lot of sleep issues. They also developed some weird diseases. That science is well-developed now. It's beyond right. me why the entire laptop industry hasn't gone to a red-lit screen. Instead, we have to use you know software programs like Flux and Iris when we understand what the problem is. But functionally, the younger generation uses technology to a great degree. And it turns out younger kids are more susceptible to this. Because their brains aren't fully myelinated. That means they're more at risk for damage from this light uh, radiation. And that to me is, yeah. uh, is a real big deal as a doctor because most parents, their digital babysitter is an iPad now. And it drives me crazy every time I see a kid you know, below the age of 10 years old, either in a, a stroller or walking with their parents with the phone right up to their face when they have a binky in their mouth.
1: Right. I'll put links to the two software programs you mentioned in the show notes. There are certain software programs that reduces the amount of blue light that comes into our retina. And one of those that you mentioned is Flux and Iris, which I use Iris and I love it. And speaking to the fact that people are giving their kids all this technology, it's no secret that Steve Jobs, you know, the innovator of the iPhone, didn't let his own kids use his technology and it just goes to show that he knew what he was creating. He knew that, that this was all a product. These blue lights were all contributing to people becoming numb and getting addicted to these screens. And that makes us a little bit apathetic well, in a way. That's part right? of the
0: reason why they use the blue light, because they need you addicted so you spend money. But the same argument that you brought up about jobs uh, is also true about Bill Gates. So you got Apple and Microsoft, the two arch enemies. And both their founders have the same history, you know, in terms of limiting screen time. Why do you want to limit screen time? Most people know that we have an opiate crisis and a suicide crisis, especially young people. It's now been shown beyond a shadow of a doubt that screen time is linked to mood disorders. And that's by way of decreases in both melatonin and dopamine. And dopamine is a real problem because dopamine, when it gets low, it usually leads to addictive behaviors. And that's precisely why the screens are blue because they're trying to get you addicted to using their technology and they've done a wonderful job. The first people that discovered this from uh, an ergonomic standpoint was actually casinos in Las Vegas. That's the reason why casinos don't have windows.
1: Yep. It all makes sense. You know, when you peel back the layers to why we do what we do, it all makes perfect sense in a really messed up way. Uh, So, you know, listeners who may be hearing this and thinking like, oh, I wish I could go outside. Like, what are some real practical tips that we can do to anyone that can't be for whatever reason, like you can't be outside all the time? I mean, the other day, I took a six-hour hike and I have never felt better. I mean, it was the combination of exercise and being outside in beautiful nature and the sunshine and and I just slept so well that night and, you know, it's not a secret that we feel good when we're outdoors and we feel good usually when we go on vacations because we are in the sunshine often. So listeners who may need to be indoors during this time or for their jobs or whatever it is, what, what are some practical things that we can do to alleviate the stress and the blue light? technologies that are coming into our, our bodies?
0: Well, I'm going to tell you, my answer is always going to be as much outdoors as you can get is better. But is there a key time of the day that no one should miss? The answer is yes. And it turns out that's at sunrise. Sunrise. There's a big mm-hmm. reason for that. The circadian mechanism in your brain is controlled mostly by light. And it turns out the light, when the sun first comes up, depending on what location you're at, the first half an hour to 45 minutes is the single most important thing you can do. I'm sure you've heard of the Pareto principle. If you get 80% of something right, that's kind of all you need. I tell all of my members that if there's one thing they want to do for their health more than anything else, you want to see every sunrise for the rest of your life. That will keep you Mm -hmm. away from guys like me. That's extremely important. Obviously, when we talked about vitamin D, but vitamin D tends to only to be out in and around solar noon unless you're at the equator. Then it's present. It gets better the closer you get to the equator. So vitamin D is made from 312 nanometer light. So every day around solar noon, where you are right now in San Francisco, that's probably going to be about 11 o'clock to about 1, 1 mm-hmm. You want to try to get about 15 or 20 minutes, assuming you have Fitzpatrick 1 or 2 type skin. If you happen to be African-American, you're going to need more. And remember, dark skin comes in different flavors. So if you're like a black person from Nairobi, those people almost look like they're purple. And for those of you who have never seen a dark person that dark, I just want you to think about all our marathon runners that usually kick our asses over here in the United States. They all tend to come from Nigeria. And the reason why is Nairobi is one degree north of the equator. It also is at 8,000 feet elevation. So what does that mean? It means it gets unbelievable amounts of UV light. The worst day in Nairobi is usually a 14 or a 15 on the uh, UV index scale. And that's the reason why people who evolved in that area have the darkest skin. Why? So they can stay outside for longer periods of time. Actually, the dark skin protects them from that level of radiation. If you were to take somebody from Sweden and put them in Nairobi, they wouldn't do very well unless they really knew how to build their solar callus up in their skin, but it would be tough. The corollary to that is that's the reason why we're seeing Somalis in Detroit getting taken to the woodshed with COVID-19. Why? That's 44, 45th latitude. These people are adapted to five, and six degrees latitude north. It's not a good situation. And, you know, our modern world, you know, we're able to travel. We didn't Mm -hmm. do that. People forget that travel is a relatively new phenomenon for humans in terms of the evolutionary timescale. So you need to understand that. And it's a big deal, you know, for us, especially in the different parts of the country that we're in. The real big issue in terms of health now, in terms of sun, is actually population density. That's something that we probably haven't talked too much about you happen mm-hmm. to live in a really bad place you know for that because turns out to create vitamin d in your skin not only do you need the 312 nanometer light you also need water from your mitochondria and it turns out that when a lot of people use technology around you that dehydrates you okay
1: what if I'm in the Marin Headlands? I'm not actually in the city. I'm outside of it. Is, do I still feel the technology from across the bridge? Absolutely.
0: The technology. Remember how the inverse square law works with radiation. For those of you who don't, I'll give you a very simple way to remember it. If somebody took you, told you, hey, just stand in front of my x-ray machine, would you do it? No. So if you stand six feet away from an x-ray machine, you're usually A-OK from the beam that comes out. But it turns out when you live in a city like San Francisco that has a lot of people and you say, say you're downtown or in Chinatown, all of those people's cell phones are connecting to 5G antennas in there. And what does non-native EMF do? It functionally dehydrates you because your mitochondria can't make that water. Why is that a big deal for your vitamin D level? Turns out there's a photoisomerization step from LDL cholesterol to that dihydroxy vitamin D. If you don't have the water, you can't make it. So guess what that says for you? If you live in San Francisco and you happen to be naked out in the sun, you still can get tan, but you may not be able to make vitamin D because your mitochondria can't make the water that's needed to pull it off. And that's the reason why a lot of doctors kind of are perplexed. When someone comes in and they look like they have a nice tan, but their vitamin D level is 27. And that's the reason why it happens. And this is something that we've really faced in the last 30, 40 years because of our use of technology. And obviously, as network power has gotten greater from 1G all the way to 5G, the effect becomes magnified. And that means when you live in a city that has a high population density, that's going to be way worse, which is part of the reason why you see New York having such a huge problem Current Mm -hmm. epidemic. It's also the reason why Northern Italy had the problem as well. Most of Northern Italy has the Chinese uh, telecom 5G antennas there. Most people don't know that, but it's true. It also turns out the same thing is true in Britain and in Spain. And that's why those outbreaks kind of occurred. And I know most people know in Wuhan, they had 5,000 5G antennas in around that province. And that province, just so we're clear, has 60 million people in
1: it. Yeah, totally. So this seems to be a line in the sand for a lot of people out there who need peer-reviewed journals and science to support this and I've seen it firsthand. You know, once you start going here and you start talking about the correlation between 5G and this virus, people automatically dismiss you. And I'm just saying that because I'm not I'm not saying I agree or disagree with what you're saying. I'm just saying that this gets labeled as a quote-unquote conspiracy.
0: It's absolutely not. I mean, all you have to do, there is literally thousands of articles. What you need to understand as a black swan is that industry supports a lot of these studies that show no effect. Why? Because they game the methodology of the study. So this is what I would tell everybody who's a skeptic that listens to this. Because you you actually asked me, what would you say to the skeptics? This is what I'm going to tell you. There's a a pretty famous guy who happens to be a PhD JD, meaning he's a lawyer. He used to be the main biophysicist for Robert O. Becker, who was an orthopedic surgeon who found a lot of these electropollution stories. The government tried to uh, silence Dr. Becker. They took his lab away in 1977 when he went on Dan Rather's 60 Minutes program and told people the truth about non-native EMF. Well, guess what happened? Dr. Marino went back and got his law degree. Then he proceeded to testify in Congress and all over the United States about the effect of non-native EMF. I would tell everybody to go read his book because he's a lawyer and he's a physicist. The name of the book is called "Going Somewhere," and the bibliography in this book is unbelievable. And that bibliography contains all the antidote for any skeptic about non-native EMF. The second person I want to bring your attention to is someone named Deborah Davis, who used to work in the federal government with the NIH. She now works for something called the Environmental Health Trust Organization. She's all over Twitter. On her website, she has a bio-initiative site that has over a 1,000 articles about the effect, the different effects. Because remember, when I say non-native EMF, I'm predominantly talking about both RF and also microwaves. So she's got it. The last little bit of information I'm going to give you for the skeptics in the audience, our federal government paid for something called the NTP toxicity study. The final tally of that study was published on November 1st, 2018. Do You know what it said? Nocturnal mammals all got cancer. From the use of cell phones that were 1G and 2G in settings. Now, that should have opened a lot of people's eyes, because that was our own federal government who paid for this independent report. This isn't some wingnut on the internet that did an experiment, you know, with chia seeds in his garage. Okay? This is the real deal. We now know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it has an effect. Now the key issue for people what is the effect of utilizing these things over and over and the other big effect is it takes clinicians like me to try to make sense of how electropollution can lead to different diseases so on my website on my form I have a place where I call it educating doctors it's a subform and on there mm-hmm. I take certain diseases like if you go and look at the one on Parkinson's disease or the one on Alzheimer's I lay that case out over a period of 10 pages with articles that are published in PubMed. So, for someone to say that there's no data means they didn't look, okay? And let's be very, very clear here. All of us are addicted to technology. I mean, think about what you and I are doing right now. We couldn't have this information right. if we weren't using technology. I'm not trying to tell you that we need to eliminate all technology, I'm telling you. You need to learn to use it properly. That's the key. And for someone to come out there and say that it's not bad for us, it just tells you that these people are making money hand over fist doing it. And they don't want you to know. The more you use it, the better it is for them.
1: Totally. And I just find it interesting that when you Google this, the studies that do come up that show that there is not a link, they're all published on sites like Wired and Fast Company. And they're obviously in bed with the telecom ad industry, and they don't want to be telling people this because they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. So you have to
0: do your research
1: deeply and find out who these people are funded by.
0: Well, every time I read those magazines, I'm always reminded of Upton Sinclair's you know, typical comment about that. You actually said it probably more succinctly, but it's very, very difficult for people to be objective when their salary comes from them to be unobjective. And it's just one of those things. My job as a physician is to point out to people, this stuff is harming us. You need to understand it and use it properly. I think if it's used properly, I think you can do reasonably well with it. I think the real problem that I have as a physician now is the biggest problem as network power has gone up is that population density is actually absolutely now mandatory. And it's not something that people usually can control. For example, you're in a place in Frisco. Well, it's going to be really hard for you to pick up and leave. But guess what? If you start developing different diseases in your forties, fifties, and sixties, and you keep going to the doctor, and your list of medicines gets longer and longer, and you keep getting sicker and sicker. You know, Einstein said the definition of insanity is doing the same shit over and over again and expect you're going to get a different result. we have got to start telling mm-hmm. people, hey, this is a problem because you can't see, hear, taste, or smell this issue, but it is destroying your mitochondrial function. And when you understand that functionally, and I promise you, when you read Marino's book, I mean, Marino is in a congressional testimony in 1977, proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that a 765 kilowatt power line changes the Earth's magnetosphere 80,000 kilometers above the surface. Whose
1: book is this, Marino?
0: It's in Congress.
1: Okay, I'll put all the links to this in the show notes so people can go check it out themselves.
0: So if you don't think that your cell phone held up to the side of your ear is going to affect the microglia in your brain, I got a bridge to sell you in New York. <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, this is a lot of information for people to hear. And, you know, I've tried to examine this from multiple perspectives, and it's really nice to hear it directly from a source, from someone like yourself who has done a lot of this research and studied this and can cite peer-reviewed data and books from people who are speaking out about this because... You know, we don't know what we don't know. And bringing a light to this is important in this day and age. It's not like we are, you know, it's a lot of really dark information. But at the same time, it's important that we bring a light to it because we can make small changes in our life, which can affect our health. And affect. I our don't age.
0: think it's dark. I actually think it's good because guess what? We only learn from our failures. You know, that's how we learned about cigarette smoking, too. People, did, and then we mm-hmm. figured it out. And, you know, people still smoke, just like I'm, I'm sure there's going to be people that abuse technology you know, from here on in, since it's here. But the point that I want to make to people, and you made it pretty good earlier, is you have to be careful who packs your parachute. So remember, your perspective is how you see the world. And I'm going to tell you, when you read Wired, Fast Company, and Forbes, they are going to give you industry side. What you need to do is you actually need to read peer-reviewed data That has not been tainted by company dollars. That's the same problem that we have with the drug industry or the vaccine industry. They control the money flow to build the methodologies of the study. And if you know anything about studies, he who controls the money flow and the methodology gets the results they want. And people don't like Mm -hmm. to hear that. Everybody thinks that it's cause and effect. It turns out it's not. You know what quantum mechanics teaches us? Life isn't about cause and effect. That's probably going to offend probably more of your listeners than anything else. Quantum mechanics is based on probability, more likely and not. Yeah. And guess what? That's the rules of nature. And when you begin to understand that, that's part of the reason why all these randomized controlled clinical trials that we talked about in the beginning haven't solved any of our problems. And if you think about like the war on cancer, we spent four and a half trillion dollars since Nixon did it. What have we done? Absolutely nothing, okay? Nothing because we're not looking in the right, right genome. We're looking in the wrong place.
1: Yeah, be careful who packs your parachute. I love that analogy. It's so true. and you know, a lot of your tips are super straightforward, practical tips on what we can do to continue enjoying you know these modern conveniences of artificial light and electronics while Mitigating some of those serious risks involved that you are speaking to and you've seen in your practice over the years. And I love that you have this direct experience. You see patients all the time and you're linking the data to what you're seeing and educating people about this. So it's super important for people to maintain their health. And this is definitely information that maybe a lot of people have not yet been made aware of. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and wisdom, Dr. Jack Cruz. Is there anything else that's super important for people to know at this time?
0: I think the most important thing is that people need to become educated about what they think they know and what they don't know. And I think reading books Mm -hmm. that are not tainted by industry are the place to start. I mean, the number one thing that I think is the biggest risk to our species going forward is how we use technology. So you need to read Marino's book. You know, it's called Going Somewhere. I think you need to read. Dr. Robert O. Becker's book. It's called The Electric Body. I think you need to read Roland Van Wick's book called A Light Sculpting Life. I think you need to read Gerald Pollack's book On the Fourth Phase of Water. If you read those books, that will give you the beginning of a black swan education. When you cut through those, I guarantee you're going to have tons of questions. And that's when you want to come and start reading my stuff because I take it pedal to the metal.
1: I'll link all of those books that you just mentioned in the show notes. What are your thoughts on the book, The Invisible Rainbow? I'm reading that right now. Have you read that?
0: Yeah, I have. I think it's actually pretty good. I guess my big issue is I really want people to get the science in an approachable way. I think that book does a decent job of it. I want people, especially in the beginning, if you have listeners here that are just cutting their information on this, I mean, maybe I should tell you even a more foundational book. This is a book that you can read in a weekend. John Ott, for those of you who don't know who Dr. John Ott is, he was Walt Disney's time-lapse photographer. He wrote Mm -hmm. a book called Health and Light that was published in the 1960s and 1970s. This book will blow your mind when you read it. And in that book, he gives so many different real-time analogies. And one of the best ones that's in there, because I'm sure you're your listeners probably have heard of a disease called ADHD or Attention Deficit Disorder. Yeah, He did mm-hmm. a study called the Sarasota School Experiment that GE had scrubbed from just about every, every published book. Basically what he did in 1977, he took his time-lapse camera, put it in, I think it was a second or third grade class, made the teachers close the windows and put the shades down, time-lapse photography the kids for a week. All you saw as the days got worse, the kids started to act like they had ADHD. Then he did the same exact experiment in the same classroom with the same kids, told the teachers to open the windows and open the shades. All their behavior went away. And what he was trying to prove is that the light bulbs, the fluorescent light bulbs in the room were causing the kids altered behavior. Now we know, you know, 50 years later, he was right. But guess what? In the 60s and 70s, everybody thought he was crazy. Now we know this behind it and how it happens. And this book is only like 130, 140 pages long. You could probably buy it in a goodwill right now. The book is probably the best appetizer for some of the things that we talked about today. I just want people to be interested to ask questions because I think when you ask questions, maybe I'll come back down the road and we'll really get into some of the stuff I really like talking about.
1: This is just scratching the surface right now. And and like you said, I just I nerd out over this stuff. And you know, just pointing listeners to these references that you cite is key because people have to do their own research. They can't just trust what they see in Google and then gets disproven on snopes these days. It's it's so much deeper and layered than, and nuanced than that. And thank you for being such a wealth of information and a source of light for my listeners, Dr. Jack Cruz. I appreciate you having you here.
0: No problem. Anytime.
1: You made it to the end of this podcast. This means the world to me. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Feel free to hop on over to my podcast website, artofhumanity.io, for show notes or past interviews. You can also message me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My name is Jessica Ann, and my handle is beingishuman. That's B-E-I-N-G-I-S-H-U-M-A-N. I'd love to hear from you and learn more about what you've enjoyed from this episode. If you really love this podcast, I'd highly appreciate it if you went on Apple Podcasts right now and left a review. It helps way more than you know. You can also share this episode with two of your friends who you think would enjoy it. Let's get the Art of Humanity movement going. Thank you for listening. Until the next episode, evolve your business with the Art of Humanity. Listen, explore, evolve.